The Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Good Monday morning to you, the last day of August here in 2020, and uh, we're, what, uh, September, October, November, four months away from the 2020 year being over. I'm not saying I'm counting down the days to the end of the year, but oh my goodness, it's been a year. It has been a year. Uh, coming up later on the program, Dr. Jason Booth, Athletic Director of Dixie State, will be here. He'll uh, talk to us about a couple couple of heroic moves by football players. Uh, one of them, they helped a lady on a cliff who hair got, whose hair got stuck while she was rappelling. They helped lift her and, and saved her life. And then uh, just a few weeks, a couple weeks later, we had that big flood last Sunday night. And uh, they helped lift a car off of a lady who was trapped under a car in the flood water. So, yeah, we're going to talk about heroes, and we'll talk about what else is going on. I'm sure uh, it'll come up on uh, the Dixie name and uh, what uh, you know what's going to happen there. And uh, all that's coming up in about uh, 20 minutes or so. Right now, we've got Brian Hyde on the line. Brian, of course, uh, the website, thebrianhydeshow.com. He's, uh, He's now on weekends here on KDXU, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., both Saturday and Sunday. And, Brian, thank you for joining me today. How you doing, man? Hey, happy to do it. Glad you're here. Uh, you and I have, uh, well, you got me on at the pit barrel cooker, so uh, you and I, I first of all, <laughs> let me thank you for getting me on of that. And uh, it was pulled pork weekend, and man, did it turn out great. I think for both of us, right? I think both of us indulged in a little pulled pork this weekend. And, yeah, I, it, it, it's, I guess it's one of those dishes. I forget how much I enjoy it until I have a nice uh, big, you know, freezer bag full of it sitting in my fridge and i find myself <laughs> snacking out of it on a regular basis yeah that's you know it's good when it's good cold when you stick it in your fridge oh, yeah. and, and it's cold and you're like oh this is an entire little piece and then you end up eating half a bag but uh yeah it, it was a great weekend uh as far as uh, smoking food i uh, i got back from uh, I, I did a game in park city pineview park city on friday night got back on saturday uh, in the afternoon and uh you know, to rumors and and everything that there was going to be a BLM protest, maybe rioting and looting in the streets here in St. George, and well, it <clears throat> didn't quite turn out that way, Brian. Yeah, thank goodness. I mean, I was watching on Facebook, and and you know, I saw the, I saw the rumors, you know, take on a life of their own and grow, and mm-hmm. people, hey, should I should I show up armed and so forth, and. Given some of the events of the last week, I'm never going to tell anybody don't uh, you know don't be in a position to protect yourself. But I have to tell you, Andy, there's a part of me that says, what do the especially the Antifa types, the more radical rioters, and and the ones who are out there looking for a fight? What do they need in order for that to happen? They need an audience. They need someone to react to them. And if you deny them that reaction, then uh, they're they're like a toddler having a tantrum. For nobody. If there's nobody around to witness it, then really the tantrum doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. But but on the other hand, you know, I'm not trying to denigrate those people who did show up, and boy, did they show up. Lots of people came out. uh, You know, it turns out the rumors may have been a bit exaggerated as far as, you know, the BLM presence, but uh, a lot of people turned out to say, you know, not in our town. We're not going to tear this place down just because someone is upset. Well, there was, uh, it was actually, uh, uh, I think it was Thursday night, maybe early Friday, uh, there, there started to be some uh, emails circulating and then some posts on Facebook, and 
Uh, as you said, it kind of grew. It started out maybe uh, there were there was going to be some BLM there, uh, maybe Antifa. Then it started two busloads, and it got all the way up to six busloads of people from out of the area were going to come uh, to town from BLM, and uh, they were going to create an atmosphere like we saw in Kenosha, Wisconsin, here in St. George. Well, like you said, the good news is well, two good news. One, it didn't happen, and number two. Uh, the citizenry showed out, uh, showed up in in uh, big numbers to maybe show Antifa, even though they didn't come. That uh, that that kind of crap isn't welcome here in St. George. It was it was kind of good to see. It was I, and I, I know this is going to sound like uh, Monday morning quarterbacking, but hey, it's Monday morning. Why not? I'm <laughs> in my armchair. Uh, be careful. Rumors obviously um, can can cause problems. And, and it just shows how easy it is to buy into rumors. I'm not saying it was a bad idea for people to come together, but wouldn't, you know, those of you who are, you know, worried about it, do you feel just a little bit sheepish? Like maybe, maybe I should have checked a little more closely, or maybe I should have looked to see if there was validity to it. It, Don't, don't be led astray. That's my only point. I think one thing that really hurt, and I'm not going to call out this person by name, but there was a city council member uh, in one of our local cities here that, uh, actually published uh, uh, a little, I wouldn't call it a manifesto, but a little statement that uh, about what was happening. And I think once a public figure, especially a, a political figure, uh, endorses that it's going to happen, then people start to worry a little bit. I will say this, uh, on Friday on this show, I had someone call and say, hey, what do you hear about this thing that's happening and everything? And I said, I said, well, thank you for the call, but I, I prefer not to publicize this, number one, because I don't think it's real. And number two, I don't, I don't want them – it's like what you were saying, Brian. It's, it's like the toddler throwing a tantrum. I don't want to give them any attention, and maybe they will go elsewhere and realize that, uh, you know, we, we don't want to hear it here. You know, I, you see the kid throwing the tantrum in, in a grocery store, and I'm sure mom and dad are embarrassed, but the best thing to do a lot of times is just let them, let them cry it out. Well, and there's an aspect of credibility, too. And, and this is probably more important for people in public office. It would be important for people in, uh, in, in public positions. You and I would, would be among those who should be very careful about, you know, jumping on the bandwagon and beating the drum. Look, 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 here's what's going on. If we're not absolutely certain and we have, you know, if, if, unless we've vetted that information and we know it for a fact because you look foolish. Otherwise, there's egg on your face and credibility counts. Like it or not, you know, people are looking for who can we trust? I mean, the media, right? Uh, the, the main media, the mass media. I, I think the president, when he calls him fake news, he's, he's not just, that's not just pejorative on the part of Donald J. Trump. That's, there's legitimacy in his calling them fake news. We shouldn't be perpetuating fake news either, though. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of fake news, as we segue here, the CDC put out a statement, uh, I think it was yesterday or maybe it was Saturday, and uh, I thought it was really fascinating. Now, we don't want to diminish uh, the fact that people have died, but, uh, Brian, the numbers aren't quite what they thought they were. No, and, and it's been very quiet. You know, the way that, uh, that the CDC has finally um, allowed this information to become public. But the gist of it is they have admitted what many of us already suspected or, or knew, and that is very few of the deaths which have been attributed to COVID-19 were actually caused by the virus. And according to the report that, that I saw published, only 6% of the deaths that were reported were solely caused by coronavirus. Every other case, and we're talking out of you know almost 200,000 deaths, every other case had some kind of comorbidity or some 
factor that uh, that attri- that contributed to the death. And, and I don't mean to be insensitive or to be insensitive rather, but but a lot of these people were older with severe health problems. And as one person put it, they, they had one foot in the grave to pretend that, well, they were just healthy and normal and coronavirus came along and took their lives. No, it, uh, it finished a chain of events that had already been set in motion by other problems they were already fighting. That puts the number, uh, Brian, instead of 150 plus thousand deaths uh, from COVID, that puts a number at about 9,000 deaths from COVID-19 here in the United States. That's just a little bit different, isn't it? Well, and, and the thing that makes this so important, it's not just a matter of, well, you guys are just being naysayers over, you know, what, uh, what the CDC has said. Look at what officials have done at every level of government in response to this pandemic. Yeah. And, and the actual damage they've done, I think, is far worse. That, well, clearly, according to the death numbers, anyways, far worse than what the, the virus itself has done. What are we going to do about that? And when are we going to hear a mea culpa from any of them? Yeah, how about a, I'm sorry, or we overreacted, or something like that, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, uh, Burks, it just seems like. The other number that was in this study, by the way, Brian, uh, was one that was a little surprising to me, but makes sense now. Uh, the number is 2.6. Now, you say, what is that number? Well, that's the number of other causes of death that the people previously thought of to have died from COVID-19 had. They had 2.6 on average number of other reasons that they died, that's big. Yeah, things like diabetes, things like heart disease, you know, emphysema, serious health conditions. And, and it's, it's, you know, we, we heard rumors of this clear back, I think, in May, maybe as far back as April. There were rumors that, well, you know, some of these deaths, and then like the joke became, yeah, my, my friend wrecked his motorcycle, and died of COVID nineteen. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I mean, but that's that's kind of the tongue in cheek way of saying they were attributing everything to COVID. And and believe it or not, there were some really perverse financial incentives for hospitals and other healthcare providers to to report those as COVID related deaths. Not because they were going to get rich, but because it opened the door to different federal funds or to to different resources. So it was in their interest to to report them as such. Yeah, these weren't just rumors. There were, I, I, I think it was like $2,300 a patient or something like that if they reported on their death certificate that COVID-19 was one of the causes of death. It was, it was not a small amount of money. And there have been a few, just a, a very few, very brave whistleblowers within the medical community who've, who've said this is wrong and reported this is what was happening and did so at extreme personal risk to their livelihood and you know, their future careers. You know, and, and the thing is, it's such a delicate uh, uh, controversy because if you come out on the side that says, look, this is overblown, you're overreacting, uh, you appear, I guess, you, you could make a case that you're heartless, that you don't care about other people. And that kind of leads us, Brian, into the, one of the articles you cite on your show notes for today's show. Uh, what was his name again? George Gilder, is that the right name? Yeah, uh, a guy who wrote about masks and how we're, we're becoming a faceless society because of the masks that we're wearing. And, you know, I, I, I am one of those. I don't think you need a mask. I'm not so bold as to I'm not going to you know buck the system when someone tells me to wear a mask. I'm going to say, no, I won't do that. But, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is I felt like right from the beginning it's overblown. Now we're seeing some of the consequences of being what Gilder calls a faceless society. Yeah, he he had a flight 
on, I think it was Alaska Airlines. Yeah. And, and, he, and he talks about what it's like to get notice from them saying, look, if you don't comply, and, and what he was doing was he's 80 years old. He pulled his mask down below his nose so he could breathe through his nose. Mm-hmm. I've done that. And, and I have as well. And it's, it, it makes the uh, intolerable almost tolerable. But he had this, you know, this yellow sheet was given to him saying, well, you will either do this or you will be, um, I don't remember the word they used, basically banned. As long as this policy remains in place, you will be further banned from any of our flights. In fact, the next stop that uh, you land at, that's where your flight with us will end. And any further places you have to go on your itinerary, sorry, we're not going to take you there. But it was the treatment of, of other passengers by their fellow passengers as well as by the air crew that the really had him going, this, this is inhumane. When we become faceless, we do not treat each other like human beings. I think he has a point worth considering. One of the things uh, Gilder talks about is uh, he, he's sit, uh, sitting near this uh, lady, and, and there's a man on the inside, and uh, she uh, they, they, they're not communicating very well. I, I, I get the feeling she maybe spoke, uh, her first language was not English, but uh, she pulled her mask down to try to explain to this man what she was trying to say, and he barked at her. He yelled at her. He said, put your mask back on. And I thought to myself, are, are you kidding me? Is, is that what we've come to where – we're, we're trying to explain something to someone, and, and, and they're angry with us because we're not complying with what the government has told us to do in this instance? Yeah, well, it, it seems to, to take the extreme view that you know, every person you come in contact with is a likely carrier or is sick with COVID-19 and just doesn't know it. And so you basically have to treat them like you know, the modern equivalent of, of a leper. You know, and they, unclean, put your mask back on. <laughs> and, and people are being not just, you know, paranoid about it, they're being rude and, and downright uh, psychotic in some cases, going out of their way to shout people down, wanting to fight them, wanting to call the police. And they want to punish them simply because you're not wearing your mask the way that I think you're supposed to be wearing your mask. Now, it's worth saying that there are people who uh, are kind of rude about not wearing a mask. And, and so it's not all one sided. Brian, but uh, it, it just you know it just feels like to me that there's there's so much guilt involved in in you know the, the people wearing a mask telling those of us that don't have a mask on to wear one that they almost it's almost like they have uh, righteous indignation on their side and and I don't think that's right I don't think that's righteous. No, I think that's a good way to put it too. It's it's uh, it's all the indignation with none of the righteousness attached to it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, talk, if you will talk a little bit about this whole this idea of being faceless, um, you know, we use our and usually a mask is going to cover your nose and your mouth and your chin and and a good part of your cheek. In fact, it's funny. I grew a beard uh, when I was on vacation a month ago, and uh, several people didn't even know I had a beard until you know, three weeks later or whatever because I had to wear a mask everywhere I went, to, you know, in public. But uh, will you talk a little bit about Brian about? Uh, the, the facelessness of us, how important is it that we can actually see each other? Does that really matter? Well, it does, and it goes back to what you had mentioned earlier here. This, this woman who, for whom apparently English was not her first language, she, she had the difficulty of trying to convey to people not only what she was saying but what she was feeling, which is done through facial expression and you know, the, the subtext on our faces. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, hard to, it's hard to hear when someone's talking through a mask we're not all lip readers, or at least we don't think we are, but um, when someone is talking to you through a mask, it becomes a lot more difficult to tell. What did they say? Did I mishear that? And it, 
it can lead to misunderstandings, but even worse, you, you stop thinking that the person behind that mask is actually a person. We start treating them as more like an object, and, and this is especially true if we have designs to, to bend them to our will one way or the other. Another thing I, I, that frustrates me is, uh, you know, this is uh, personal, but uh, I, I find my wife to be very beautiful. And it, it, it irritates me when we go places that are mask required that she has to cover up her face. I know that's silly, Brian, but it's the honest truth. I married my, one of the reasons I married my wife is she's a beautiful lady. And, and for her to cover up that beautiful face, it, it, I don't like it, man. It drives me crazy. No, I, I don't blame you one bit. And, you know, for us, for us guys who are a little more on the homely side, look, this mask thing probably has been kind of a blessing in, in some ways in that, you know, our, our attractiveness went up slightly. But what it's doing to, to our psyche, I think, is more important than, than whatever function it may be serving of preventing our breath or droplets or anything like that from, from getting to another person. Real quickly, we've got about to, about two minutes left. Uh, you you uh, linked to an article and talk about it uh, during your show. Uh, tips for helping kids uh, who are weary of wearing the mask. Now, like it or not, the mask rule is in place for kids going to school. Uh, I know your wife is, a, is an educator. Uh, she has to deal with this at, as well. Uh, you linked to an article by Emma Freer, uh, and she talks about maybe some of the ways we can help our kids get through this thing. Uh, any, any ideas, Brian? Yeah, there were, there were a couple of things she mentioned. She says, keep it fun. If your kids have to wear the mask, at least try to make it fun for them. Don't make them feel like you are being punished and your individuality erased. They're kids. And I think the, the, the other thing she mentions is watch what you say and then be there for your kids. And of the, of the three of those suggestions, watch what you say to me is the one that stands out the most. Mm-hmm. Because what, she, what she's asking is if there's an opportunity to let the kids be innocent, and not have to bear all the responsibility that goes with adulthood and thinking of, you know, grown-up problems and solutions, let them be kids. I I mean, I give the example in in my show today about, uh, I grew up during the Vietnam War. I did not know there was a war going on in Vietnam until I was 9 or 10 years old, by which point it was actually starting to wrap up. Mm -hmm. And the reason I didn't know is because my parents never really brought that into our dinner table conversation. In fact, they didn't talk about Watergate. They didn't talk about Lyndon Johnson. They didn't talk about the Bobby Kennedy assassination. None of that stuff. They did talk about the moon shot and the, and the man landing on the moon, but largely they tried not to burden me with worries over things that uh, my little mind didn't need to be comprehending. Yeah, I, I like what you say there. I think that, you know it's important to answer their questions, kids' questions, if they have them. But don't sure. don't bring it up. If, if if they don't have questions, don't don't force feed it to them. You and I spent a lot of time on this show talking about masks, whether or not we believe they were effective, whether or not we should be wearing them. That's an argument. That, that's a conversation you and I can have, and uh, my wife and I can have, and your wife and you. But uh, that's not an argument, a conversation we need to have with our six year old or our eight, our ten year old at this point. You can teach them all the principles and all the virtues that that make a good person. You can do it without burdening them with the worries and the, you know, especially like the rumors and stuff that, that seem to be floating around. Give them a little bit of time to enjoy their innocence. Teach them how to be a good person, but, you know, let them assume those responsibilities as they're able. Don't put it on them too early. He's Brian Hyde. His website is thebrianhydeshow.com, but you can catch him on the radio right here on KDXU every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Brian, good stuff. Keep up the good fight, my friend. Thank you, Andy. We'll talk again soon. 
Yeah, great to have you on the show. Uh, he's here every Monday, actually. Every Monday at about 10 minutes after 9, we talk with Brian Hyde. And uh, like I said, he always uh, always does a fantastic job. I like what he's, uh, I like what he's selling. Welcome back to the program. Andy Griffin with you on News Radio 949-890-KDXU. And I'm happy to welcome into the studio today. Well, not in my studio, but in a studio today, Dr. Jason Booth. Dr. Booth, how are you doing? Good, Andy. How are you? Thanks can for I, having can me. I, can I call you Jason? That's okay. Please, right? please do. All right. I don't know. You're a doctor, though. I yeah. feel like I, I need to throw that in there. Jason's better. <laughs> uh, Dr. Booth, Jason is the athletic director here at uh, Dixie State University. What an interesting position to be in right now, Dr. Booth, with uh COVID-19 and football season cancellations and other fall sports and I mean uh, your head has to have been spinning over the last uh, few weeks well it's been spinning since March since we got had everything canceled on us that's from, right you know, that's right I was with the basketball team mid-flight from Vegas to Amarillo Texas when it was canceled oh you were guys were actually yeah. on the oh, plane yeah. yeah we were on the plane so we oh my God we landed and we went to dinner went to the hotel and got up and Went back to the airport and went home. So, wow. um, yeah, it's been um, it's been an interesting few months. Um, but um, you know, we're hopefully on the tail end of this thing, and we'll get back to normal here soon. Let's, if you will, give us an update on fall sports. Are we going to try to do fall sports in the spring, or, or what's what's going to happen? There? Yeah, yeah, we're going to try for the spring. Um, still not, you know, for sure if we'll be able to do that. Um, even if there's a, a vaccine and whatnot, just logistically, we don't know what that'll look like. We're certainly going to try. Um, we don't know if it's in the best interest of our football student athletes to be playing in the spring at the turnaround mm-hmm. and then have to play in the fall. So we're going to balance all that for sure. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll try to get, you know, some semblance of a season in for football. And then of course, all the other sports as well, um, while, while balancing their, their health and safety. Does, uh, does that mean fewer games maybe? Then? Possibly. Maybe yeah. Six it might to only eight be, games or something. Yeah. Or even less. Um, we'll see because it, it doesn't matter how many we play, whether we play one or 11, it won't count for, uh, as a season of eligibility for anybody. So um, the, the NCAA has already said that. Whether we would have played in the fall or in, in the spring, we won't have to worry about that counting as a year. So um, it doesn't matter how many we play. Um, we don't have a conference to try to go out, out and win, so we can just do what's in the best interest of our team and our student-athletes, which actually being independent is actually kind of a help in, in this case so that we're not forced to play too many games that we don't necessarily want to in the spring. Well, the, the weird thing too with Dixie State, the transition to Division One, you've got the probation years and all these things. How does that fit in with all this? Yeah, well, this is still our first year, so we're doing everything else um, that we have to to be a Division One program. Mm-hmm. It's just by just because we're not playing games, that's out of our control. Um, so they're not going to punish us for that. But we're doing the scholarships and we're doing um, you know everything else that we're required to be a Division One program. So this will be our first year, whether we play or not. I feel like there's, uh, you, you know, we all kind of see the surface stuff of what, what happens when things like are, are postponed and things like that. I feel like there's a whole bunch of little stuff that we don't even think about that someone like you would have to deal with. Oh, yeah. is, is there, I mean, are there are these minute details all over the place that we don't, we don't even think about? Oh, yeah. Well, all the time. I mean, it's it's so intricate and involved from NCAA mm-hmm. compliance to fundraising to scholarship limits and all, all this stuff that people don't even really realize. And why, why should they? They're not involved in it. But even even the decision to postpone fall sports, you know, I've got a lot of questions like, well, how is it possible that the high schools are able to play? And that's ridiculous. Why can't we play? Yeah. Like, well, we're not just driving across town and playing an opponent. We're going to areas of the country that are in really bad shape, um, sure. and they've gotten better in the last few weeks. But they're, we were going to be going to uh, Rio Grande Valley in Texas, which at the time had the highest death rate in the country from COVID. 
Wow. You know, that's very real. And they were in a stay-at-home order at that point. Um, Chicago and Las Cruces, New Mexico, were in mandatory 14-day quarantines for anyone traveling into the area. Well, are we supposed to send our volleyball team two weeks early for a game in Mexico State? No, it, <laughs> that doesn't it, work. It just doesn't work. So, no. and then um, uh, you got Seattle, and then Southern California are other areas which are also, you know, Seattle's very sensitive as it kind of started there, um, and Seattle U isn't even allowing anyone on campus this fall. Not not even faculty, staff, students. Nobody's coming on campus. Um, so it, it was very logistically challenging to to expect those schools to field teams. So. That's why that decision, you know, it w- was so difficult. But it's behind the scenes. People don't really think about that or, or see all that. And the last thing we want is any of our kids getting sick unnecessarily. So right. we had a chance to play in the spring, uh, which we are hoping it will, you know, be in a much better, much safer place to do it. Then why not? You know, let's just hold off for right now and, and then uh, keep practicing and doing going to school and doing that, that stuff. But um, uh, look at competing in the spring. So you're right. There are, There's a ton of stuff behind the scenes that people would just be amazed and probably get a headache just thinking about because yeah. I do yeah. <laughs> uh, most, most days, but it's, it's, it's a fun job and it's, it's really what's the best part about it is the, is the student athletes and the kids. So it's, it's well worth it. Was, uh, the, the owner of Real Salt Lake uh, was uh, gotten a little bit of trouble last week, different reasons, but it ended up their game being canceled. Um, he went on the radio and said, I, I felt I'm disappointed and disrespected and, and, you know, from the one side, you know, I see the player's perspective. On the other side, I'm looking at the owner. I'm going, he just, they, it was sold out, by the way. Real said that Rio mm-hmm. Tinto was sold out. He lost out on a lot of money by yeah. them deciding not to play the game. Yeah. Financially, how bad is losing fall sports hurting Dixie State? Um, not not too bad, uh, quite honestly, in, in the athletic department. You know, um, we're, 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 we're looking at still playing in the spring. Mm-hmm. So we're we're hoping that those revenues will just come in the spring rather than in the fall. So as a as a fiscal year, we should be about the same. Um, it'll be a little bit down, but um, compared to the Power Fives and what they're dealing with, where they're if they don't have a home football game where they have sixty seventy thousand people in there and the TV revenue really, which is the big thing yeah. that they're not going to collect, that's you know twenty thirty fifty million dollars that they're not going to see. That you're seeing all different kinds of reports. We're nowhere near that. I mean, it might be. I think right now we're at about a million less than what we would have expected. Um, but if it comes back in the spring, then we'll, we'll get most of that back. Hmm. Um, uh, the key part is for us, the, generally the expenses out are, are, are greater than the revenues that we would bring in from a specific sport. So even football, um, uh, especially okay. this year moving up to Division One, the, the officiating expenses, for example, are um, much, much higher than they were last year as a Division Two. So if we don't play a football game, uh, or if we play a football game, it's generally uh, a break-even or, if not, a financial loss, for lack of a better term. Now, the benefits of having the game and everything that it brings to the community and whatnot, it obviously right. is, is a big you know, uh, financial gain. But just black and white within the athletic department, it's, um, we come out just fine reducing a lot of expenses from not traveling, um, even though we're not getting the revenue. So it comes out to be okay. Um, it's where, where we don't have to um, furlough anybody or, you know, cut pay or anything like that. Now the NCAA came out and said they are, are not going to count this as a year of eligibility for fall athletes. Correct. Uh, what kind of a bind does that put you in as far as scholarships? I mean, you, and obviously next year you're going to have freshmen coming in, you'll have red shirts that'll be back from their red shirts. Now, what does that do to you? They've also said that, um, the seniors, so those kids that would be gone and not, you don't have, you wouldn't have to worry about them. Mm-hmm. They're, um, 
their numbers, so to speak, their their scholarship you give it won't count against any sort of equivalency. So okay. you know, in other words, they they steer clear. They they get off the books, even though they're still on your team and playing, and you're giving them aid. So we're going to be able, in other words, give more aid than we normally would, just to make sure that those seniors are are, are taken care of and accounted for. But yet, you don't have to count them towards your your limits that the NCA sets. Do you see uh, the NCA going? All right, we're going to not do any investigations of anything for you know twenty twenty. No, because they always like to they always like to investigate. Stuff. Oh yeah, no, there there will be violations still that that they will still love to get their <laughs> hands on. So, thank hopefully we want we don't have to worry about that too much here. We've been pretty right. we've been a very clean, very good program. But uh, oh yeah, no, they'll they'll never back down on that. That's too bad. Yeah, that's too bad. All right, well, let's talk about something really cool that's happened over the last month or so. Uh, with your football team, uh, you have. Uh, uh, well, I, I'll let you explain what has happened, but it's but it's a pretty cool situation where your your foot, some of your football players were in a, in a situation to help, and they did. Yeah. Well, which one? There there were two of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were two of them. So we'll, we'll start uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, every year, Coach Peterson takes the team up to the Dixie Rock because uh, he wants the entire team to see the community uh, and the area that they represent. And so that's obviously a great vantage point. So he takes them up there and just shows them, like, here's, here's your town. Here's, here's who's supporting you. So mm-hmm. you got to do things right and do things. While they were doing that, they, uh, one of the fathers who happened to be of a, of a player who happened to be up there with the team at the same time uh, was kind of waved down and noticed that this girl was stranded halfway down the face of the rock, mm. caught in her repelling gear. Her hair was caught in the gear, Ouch. just hanging there. And so he came over and asked Coach if he could get some, some guys to help pull her up. And they all jumped in. And they'd obviously not the entire team was, was not pulling. But all the, all the linemen got in a big line and held the rope and, and just slowly pulled her up um, without hurting her. Um, and uh, this co- uh, commander, Scott Veach, who was the father who was there, who was a, a commander, police commander from Arizona, was on the ledge of the rock, not strapped in or hooked into anything, and was helping, you know, you know tell the guys when to pull when to let you know when to let off a little bit and and got her up safely and and got her removed from the gear and uh saved her um she, that, she'd been hanging there for about 45 minutes oh my goodness that, so, that is that is so cool and by the way yeah. lineman i'm a former lineman hooray for the lineman yes. yeah they uh, did great so you, you don't have any names of those linemen off the top of your head not off the top of my head okay. no it was a All whole right. big group of them so uh, love, love the lineman right and then just uh last uh sunday night so we had you know the, the storms come through mm-hmm. and um flash flooding everywhere and so down 1000 east was literally a river um and it um did a lot of damage to the cars that were on 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 that road uh but also the uh, apartments we had about 120 students uh in general at at dixie flooded out of their apartments um and they're now mostly staying at the university inn which for you know just one positive of having of covid and not having the elder hostel program running the university inn was sitting empty so um, they are staying there temporarily. We've we've got a lot of food and items donated that we delivered on Saturday, and still collecting more yeah, by at, the, at True by Hilton. True by Hilton, yeah. Yep. You can drop those by True by Hilton. Yeah, please do. They're they're, they're still needing stuff. But um, anyway, that night, Sunday night, um, a couple of fo- uh, one of the football players and his roommates were outside, just kind of surveying stuff, and um, saw another football player yelling at them from from a balcony that, hey, someone just got swept under a car. Wow. It's a young lady who was a little bit further up the road, got swept off her feet and came down the road and went under a car. And because he was up elevated up on the balcony and saw her, um, he was telling the guys down on the ground, hey, we need some help. So 
ended up being um, two football players and then a couple of, of their roommates went over and were trying to lift the car up and um, eventually did um, and, and notified a fire truck that just happened to pull up. Um, and they got the car lifted and were able to pull her out. And it was, I think they, they said it was about four minutes that she was underwater, submerged <laughs> under the car, stuck. Um, and she was unconscious when they pulled her out. Um, but they were able to lift the car up and, and get her out of there. And they, wouldn't have, they couldn't get her out without lifting the car. Um, she was wedged in there good. Yeah, huh? and it was a Toyota 4Runner, I think. So it was a pretty, pretty, big, big, yeah. pretty big vehicle. But they got her out, gave her to the fire department right away, and they, they took her to the hospital, but she lived. So they, they saved her. Right place, again, right place at the right time for them. So, but it, it just shows the character of the type of kids that um, all of our students, uh, all of our coaches recruit. Um, but these just happen to be you know, two examples of, of the football team. Just great high character that they'll just jump in and, and do what they need to when, you know, to do the right thing. You know, it, it's, it, to me, it, it's bothered me for years. Uh, it's always pointed out, oh, this, this player got arrested or this player, you know, did this yeah. or whatever. And, and, and news media outlets make a big deal of this. And it's, you got pictures on the front page and things like that. And being a sports guy, I haven't been my whole life. That, that's always bothered me because anytime something good happens, it's like, ah, oh, nobody cares. Right. Just, just bury it. Right. And so yeah. to me, I thought, I thought this was really, I, I know you would never wish this upon people, but great public relations for Dixie State and for the football team to say, look, these are good guys who do good things. Right. Well, it, it's just showing their tr- who they truly are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you're right. There's, there's way more of, uh, of student athletes and, and young men and young women across the country and all of collegiate athletics that are like that than you know just the few negatives that you that you see and hear about that they that they glorify uh, and you know the media makes a big deal about but um we're, we're proud of them and uh and proud to call them our, our own absolutely all right dr ruth and jason we've got to take a time out uh, you okay with hanging around a little bit longer we'll take Please, some phone calls Love very good you. awesome it is uh, 947 on kdxu chance uh, opportunity here to thank one of our great sponsors that is the uh, is joe shoney joe shoney is a local loan consultant his specialty uh, you've heard me say it many times. His specialty is customer service. And if you go online and read the reviews on him, they're phenomenal. Uh, 420 reviews and his average is 4.92 out of 5. That's phenomenal. Uh, here's a recent one. This is from Eugenio. It said, Joe and Sue were always in touch and letting us know where we stood in the process, what other info we needed, and always striving to complete our loan in our time frame. Thank you so much. Excellent job. Five stars. Yes, surprise, surprise. James says, Joe and his team were amazing to work with. Easiest loan process we have ever been through. Highly recommend Joe Shoney. Five stars. The phone number is 435-590-6300 for Joe, or you can email him, joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program, seven, uh, nine, not seven, 949 on KDXU. Thanks again for joining me today. Dr. Jason Booth, Athletic Director at Dixie State, is with me. And uh, how are you doing, Dr. Booth? Everything good? Doing great. Do you want to give, uh, give us a call? 673-5890 is the phone number, 673-5890. Love to hear from you. Have you had to, Dr. Booth, Jason, have you had to have any like furloughs or layoffs or anything like that at the athletic department? None. Oh, None at good. all. That's yeah, good we, to hear. We're, we're fortunate, very, very fortunate. I know a lot of people, uh, sadly, have lost jobs or uh, at least been laid off or forced vacations is, is what a furlough is. That, yeah. That's a fancy name for forced vacation mm-hmm. without pay. <laughs> yeah. No, we've been very lucky. So, uh, well, good. That's that's good to hear. Uh, it is uh, about 10 minutes, too. Let's, uh, you okay to take a phone call or two? Yeah. All right. Let's go. Caller, you're on with Andy with Dr. Booth. How are you today? Hello? Yeah, go ahead. You're on. 
Yeah, I was just wondering about the uh, the student athlete, the football player that was kicking doors in down at the uh, car doors as they passed down the boulevard uh, during the last protest. Um, has he made restitution to those folks, or how's the college handling it? Are they going to sanction him? What's taking place with that? Um, can't really go into that, um, especially it's not it's not my issue. It's a it's a personal issue for that young man, um, and I know he he's going. They're going through that, so nothing has been decided yet. Oh, so the college kind of sponsored that uh, protest, and I was kind of wondering what their no. involvement was. I no. noticed their police were there. Uh, I don't know why the police would have been there, probably to help the St. George police, but the university did not sanction and promote and put that protest on. Uh, they put stuff out on uh, social media saying uh, how proud they were and photographs of them there. Okay. It sounded like they were heavily involved in that. No, that, that's w- was the university was not behind that protest. Okay. All right, uh, 673-5890, if you guys want to call and uh, talk with uh, Jason Booth. He's the athletic director of Dixie State. How long have you been AD now? This is my 11th year. 11 years. Seems like yesterday you uh, <laughs> came in my radio station and we had yep. A, yep. A, a talk on the on the sports station yep. over there. Just about, what is it, about the 50 feet from here or something yep. like that, 60 feet from here? It's gone fast. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, w- would you say now, 11 years in, is there some things that uh, – that you would have done differently? It seems things you learn. Are you you pretty happy with the way things are going? I mean, we all make mistakes, obviously. Oh, sure. I mean, I think everything, you know, obviously um, it's a very challenging job, but um, given the people that we have here and and the coaches that we've hired and um, the student athletes that have come through, I think, you know, it just shows that we've done a really, really nice job. Um, It's not just me. It's an entire team. It's an entire university. Um, and to, to take a, a, a Division II athletic department that was only Division II for 14 years um, and, is now, and is now Division I, that speaks very highly of, of a lot of people that have, have worked very, very hard to, to get us there. So. We spent, uh, I, I spent a lot of years, I think it was 17 years uh, doing Dixie State, mostly as a junior college, and uh, they were a powerhouse as a JUCO yep. and, and did some, a lot of great things, national championship in baseball and in basketball uh, and uh, they, you know, like I said, did a lot of great things. Um, they uh, was it two in basketball or one? Uh, two, two a- of them. Eighty-five yeah. and then um, two thousand. You well, look at you pulling the years out and everything. I'm impressed. Two thousand three. Me, I'm sorry, I can't remember that. I think oh four. It's kind of strikes me. Yeah, and then yeah. it was women's soccer. That was two thousand and two thousand three. Yeah. So, uh, so some great, great job at the junior college level. Transition to, to Division two. One of my favorite hires you guys ever did when you went D2 was to get John Judkins in yeah. before you went D2. You juco right. for a year or two and then, and then transitioned into D2. And uh, John Judkins is one of my favorite people in this town. Just, yeah. a, just a great guy and I think a great coach. does a great job. Um, he should have, I don't know why other Division ones did not lure him away and, 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 and hire him as we as a Division two. But now we're a Division one, so he's getting that opportunity. So we're excited he's here. We're selfish. We don't want anybody to That's take right. him away. I know. I mean, I, sure. I'm grateful. Uh, on this show, uh, last, uh, last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of people on talking about the Dixie name and I know that this isn't really your decision. It's out of your hands, but, uh, right. do you think the Dixie name will ever go away? Will it, will it stay Dixie state? Uh, I, your guess is as good as mine, mm-hmm. Andy, you know, it's, it's, that's something that, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, there is no formal process or anything, you know, to, to, to change the name. And, you know, it, it's certainly not a discussion that we had planned on having, um, right. But with you know, there's there's as you know, there's a lot of discussion and 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 things going on around the country where where names and 
things are being discussed and and, and, and statues and, being torn down right, and all kinds right. of stuff. Yeah. But you know, as, as a institute of higher ed um, that has a name like Dixie State, or it just as an institute of higher ed. Period. Whether what, regardless of what our name is, we need to be part of those discussions just to educate. Um, so, but with a name like Dixie, that does, you know, it means something very near and dear to us here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does mean something different to those outside of here. Um, and so it is causing some friction for some of our students, you know, uh, that are outside of here. Um, now we, we love and honor and cherish our heritage, um, of what the Dixie name means here to us. Um, so we, we both, we see both sides of it and, um, you know, ultimately it's going to be, you know, a legislature decision, um, either way, whether to consider it or not, or, or whatever right. they'd like to do. But, um, uh, we are going to, uh, commission, a, um, a study to just kind of give us, um, an idea of what the name means, not about, not a study should be changed or not. No, that's not, it. it's just like, what does the name Dixie name mean? Okay. Um, and then just give us some information, you know, pros, cons, feedback, positive, negative on, on both sides. So that if the legislature asks for, for that, we will be ready to provide them with a, a, an unbiased third-party um, study. I like that. A look at what the name truly means so that people can understand what it means to us and what people outside of here can, can understand that and vice versa, what it means outside of here so people here can understand that. Can, can you explain what a study means? Does that mean a poll? It's like or a perception study. With students or with people from outside outside of this community? or I... It's both. It's people inside the community. We're getting feedback, uh, and then they're going to go out to folks outside of the community. Um, and, and it's um, a third-party uh, firm that's going to do it for us. So they've done these similar types of studies all the time, uh, many times. So they're, they're, they've got the resources and the people to, to talk to and know who they need to talk to to, to get you know, a, a full r- range of the spectrum of, of, of inputs and perceptions. I like that. Armed with information is always good. That's right. Yeah. And, then, and then, again, ultimately it'll be up to the, the state legislature if, if they choose to act on it or, or not. By the way, uh, you want to call? We got, we've got about three minutes left in the program. 673-5890 is the phone number. Uh, do you see winter sports being affected by COVID-19 now? I, I know the, the, the hope is, I uh, hope not, but do you yeah. see that being a factor? Yeah, we hope not. Um, we're going to, we're, NCAA is starting the discussions right now about basketball. Um, it could be delayed a little bit, um, but I do see those seasons happening. Um, I, I don't see the NCAA being able to survive, to be quite honest, without, with missing two straight men's basketball tournaments. Yeah. So I see them doing everything possible to get a tournament of some kind uh, in, you know, happening in March, which means we need to have some sort of a season prior to. Very well said. Let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with uh, Andy with uh, Dr. Booth, the AD at D- Dixie State. What's up? Hey, our good friend Dixie Levitt in Cedar City uh, has the name of Dixie. Are they going to make him change his name? When are, when are they going to stop? Somebody needs to make a stand and just stop sometime. It's just a comment. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I, I don't think Dixie Levitt's going to have to change his name. Nope. Uh, and, and obviously in this town, there are, what, maybe 200 businesses yeah. with the name Dixie in, in their business name? Yeah. And, and the difference for a university, though, is that we're not just here locally. Um, uh, probably 10 years ago, we were. Uh, but now we are very much even more than regional, uh, becoming you know a national university where we're recruiting students from all over the country. So we've got to be sensitive to that, too. But we certainly... If if the university name changes, it doesn't mean that all these names in town are going to have to change their business names or people's first names. No, 
um, nor would the Dixie have to come off the rock or the D off the hill. Um, the, the two different discussions. Uh, down to the last minute, I wanted to, if you would, explain to me the, the school now. Uh, some, uh, you know, you've got full-time school in the in, at the, uh, you know, K through 12 level. Yep. What is Dixie State doing about school? We are in our second week today, um, and we're doing a high-flex model where half the students will go to their class face-to-face Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, while the other half watches those class live-streamed. Hmm. Um, and then those that live-streamed Monday and Tuesday will come to their classes face-to-face Wednesdays and Thursdays while the other half goes live-stream. So if I, so if I have an 8 o'clock class Monday through Thursday, I'm responsible to be there either virtually or in person Monday Correct. through Thursday. Yeah, and any students that want to just go all virtual and do all live-stream, they are able to do that. Awesome. Well, Dr. Booth, we've used it up. Uh, I really appreciate, appreciate uh, you coming on today. It was a fun discussion. Yeah. And congratulations on your football players and their heroics. That's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, all credit goes to them. They're great kids. He's, uh, he's Dr. Booth. And, and of course, uh, we look forward to some sort of football eventually, uh, hopefully in the spring. Right? We'll get there. Yep, we're looking forward. All right. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. It's 959 on News Radio 949 890 KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in today. I'll be back tomorrow at 910. We'll see you then.